Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast. Gallery Girl is a London-based website and curatorial platform dedicated to contemporary art from across the globe. In this podcast, we're going to focus on female artists, curators and practitioners who highlight art with roots in West Asia and North Africa. Enjoy. Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast. Today, my guest is Yasmin Nasr-Diaz, a Yemeni-American multidisciplinary artist whose practice navigates overlapping tensions around religion, gender, and third culture identity. Welcome, Yasmin. Thank you for having me. Um, so I wanted to start right at the beginning. When did you first become interested in art? Um, yeah, at a pretty young age, actually. Um... I would say the seed was definitely planted when I was in grade school, probably around six, seven years old. Uh, my school would take us on field trips pretty often. And um, I remember going to the Art Institute in Chicago, which is an incredible museum. It's still one of my favorite museums to this day. And just being really, you know, enchanted by the paintings, you know, the artwork. Um at that time, I think the, the artists that kind of stood out to me were like, you know, all, all white men, of course, you know, at that time, <laughs> my world would be brought in later, but like John Singer Sargent, Mahali Naj, um, Louis Lautrec, um, Gustave, uh, Gustave Caillebot. Um, and, um, you know, as soon as I was old enough to go on my own, I, I would frequent the Art Institute uh, quite often. Um, and just go and hang out there and stare at the work. And, um, you know, also, uh, I had several older sisters and, you know, I think anyone with older siblings, like, <laughs> share this experience of wanting to copy anything that they did. And one of my sisters would draw a lot. So I started drawing a lot myself. And, and I found drawing and, you know, coloring and making, you know, just doodles to be... Uh, a really wonderful way to kind of lose myself. Time would just pass so easily. And, um, you know, words have never <laughs> come easily for me. Right. Uh, writing was never my strong suit. And, and so I think that art became a language, a way of expressing myself uh, in a way that just felt easy. There was no resistance there. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, I grew up in a pretty big family and I was a middle child and, you know, as middle child can also attest, uh, you often feel like, you know, maybe overlooked. Right. And um, it was just nice to have something to kind of uh, retreat to, you know, yeah. um, in, a, in a bustling household. So, so yeah, it was at a pretty, pretty young age. And did you have an artistic family? No, definitely not. Uh, it wasn't really something that was encouraged. So I just kind of did it on my own. Right. Um, yeah. So did you go to art school? I did not go to art right. school either. Okay. I went, um, you know, I was always involved in art making in like my grade school mm -hmm. and then my high school. I went to a magnet school, which is a kind of, kind of um, college preparatory school right. in Chicago. Like you had to, you know, apply to get in and then uh, you chose a major uh -huh. and I chose arts, you know, and 
and we had some, you know, pretty, you know, good teachers. And also in high school, I started attending an after school program. Um, and that's when I started uh, oil painting. So I, I, that's a long story. Yeah. I wanted to go to art school, yeah. but I, I didn't, I actually don't have a degree. Like after high school, I, right. I went to various schools, um, you know, uh, colleges and universities, just taking classes here and there, but I have not been through a formal art program. Oh, wow. So I, but it was something that I just kept doing independently, uh, all my life basically. So it's a real passion that's developed into <laughs> your career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something, you know, I there have definitely been gaps in art making for me, mm-hmm. but I would say that I've always been making some kind of art. Yeah. Um, and, but it's actually, you know, I say that I'm a late bloomer a lot because it wasn't until a few years ago that I sort of took it more seriously in terms of like making a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the late blooming also uh, was a factor in terms of just really getting started and figuring out what I wanted to communicate. Yeah. Um, because I think that, you know, at its most basic art is a means of communication, mm-hmm. right? It's a way of processing um, our experiences, what we observe in our daily lives, uh, you know, the world around us. And for me, on a very personal level, it's been a way to feel less alone in the world. Right. And, you know, I was raised to believe that I should avoid bringing attention to myself. I should not be loud. I should be amenable, like not difficult. Right. And, you know, while I'm still unlearning those thought patterns, yeah. Um, you know, I think that you know, that is that all of that has been a huge factor in terms of like this, the time period and, and the the late blooming, right, in terms of yeah. like making the work that I'm making now, because mm-hmm. for those years that I was, you know, making work, just basically after my day job painting, mm-hmm. I was not necessarily trying to say anything, I wasn't taking any risks, right. I wasn't um, really trying to communicate something, mm-hmm. I was just making work to um, just like uh, I was making like a lot of aesthetically pleasing right. work. It was a way for me to unwind. Mm-hmm. I, I could never not make work. Like yeah. that's something <laughs> after many years, I realized that like, oh, this is something I can't not do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Whether I'm sharing it or not, it's like something I always have to do. But, you know, uh, eventually got to a point where there were things I wanted to say, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't not say them anymore. Yeah. And I guess being a late bloomer as you describe yourself like what gave you the courage to go and say those things and to make that step to make it as a career because I'm sure that was really scary very scary very scary because I didn't talk about so much of my own you know life and myself and my background and my work at all Mm -hmm. until just a few years ago and and yeah it was a very vulnerable thing to do um but it was, it was, it was a lot of things. It's like, you know, I think that like, if you're suppressing a part of yourself, it's, <laughs> there's kind of, a, there's kind of this pressure cooker effect where eventually it has to come out somehow. Yeah. And, and that was, I felt that steadily building in me. And then there were other just events in the world, uh, that happened that, uh, you know, really motivated me to want to say these things and share like my experiences and, um, 
you know, part of that was the this post nine eleven era, right. and and in that time there were there was a lot more attention on like Arabs and people of Muslim background, and I found that conversation was just very polarized, right. you know, and there were a lot of nuanced stories in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like like my own, and I knew that like I wasn't alone in having a nuanced, yeah. you know, story and background. Um, that being, you know, somebody who grew up in a pretty conservative uh, community uh, in the West, you know, in mm-hmm. Chicago, and um, and having these kind of complicated, mixed experiences, and and um, you know, wanting wanting to share that because it was just it was just. Um, I felt like the, our stories were being flattened right. in a lot of, you know, yeah. media, literature. Yeah, misunderstood. So was it always natural for you to draw on your own cultural experiences and your upbringing into your work? No. No? <laughs> it definitely, definitely wasn't. The first, when I first started doing it, I think it was like 2016, mm-hmm. 2017, actually, 2017. Um, it was very uncomfortable and very scary. Right. Um, because I I thought a lot about how I wanted to do it. And, um, you know, there are, there are different issues that I wanted to talk about, like maybe the misogyny in our community. But I was so worried about making our communities look bad at a time when, you know, there were these very polarized conversations. So it was like, you've got the right that's just like looking for any material to justify bigotry and xenophobia. And then you've got, you know, the left that sometimes also flattens conversations, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. um, or definitely, you know, definitely does as well. And, and then people within our own communities that don't want you to, uh, shed light on the problems within the community for fear of making us look bad Mm -hmm. but yet like the issues weren't necessarily being addressed we weren't you know people weren't having these conversations enough within our own communities I thought um and so I decided you know when I first started making the work that I was going to go very directly autobiographical Mm -hmm. you know yeah which was scary because I I wanted to start that way as a way of saying this is where I'm coming from like Mm -hmm. this is me this is my story this is why I'm going to talk about these other things Mm -hmm. um and I'm not speaking for everyone I'm not representing like all Arabs or all Yemeni women or Yemeni American women Mm -hmm. but this is my story and you know I think it's it's it was just a way to um kind of set a foundation you know yeah and even though it was scary it's it's um it just made the most sense to me to do it that way um and so like one of the first things I did was this installation here in LA at this lovely like you know uh grassroots like community organization called the Women's Center for Creative Work Mm -hmm. it's a place that I you know, had been a member at, um, for a few years before I was invited to be an artist in residence. And I felt really comfortable there. Um, it was a very supportive community still is they're amazing. Um, but it was one of the reasons why I felt comfortable to make, uh, this work and mm-hmm. do this installation. That was the first of this kind of bedroom, you know, right. uh, series of bedroom installations. Yeah. And this one was like the most specifically, you know, autobiographical, like I had, um, some, you know, it's just like fun, nostalgic space. I think the first thing that people, you know, see is like 
this kind of groovy, maybe retro space, yeah. like, you know, with this 70s, 80s wallpaper, um, records and cassette tapes and uh, like perfumes from the 90s and 80s and post, you know, movie posters and stuff. Um, but then upon like closer inspection, you know, people see there are these like frame documents, mm-hmm. uh, about five or six scattered throughout the room that are from my own personal files that speak to um, things that I've experienced. Um, so I won't go. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. But yeah. I'll just, you know, for a quick reference, um, you know, after I graduated from high school, I left me and uh, two of my sisters uh, left our family and you know, we changed our names and we're basically estranged from our family for many years. And um, so I had some documentation that referenced that, um, including like the name change, you know, some of the name change documents. Um, There was some correspondence uh, between me and a friend who was helping me find a lawyer to help kind of straighten out my documentation. Um, And some of the reasons you know, uh, why I was, we were doing so. And, you know, so there was references to, you know, forced marriage and honor violence, like right. you know, potential for honor violence. And, you know, those were the things, you know, they're, they're, they're not easy to talk no, about. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's like perfect fodder for right wing, you know, mm. groups. Um, so I was uh, very, um, you know, hesitant to, to share those things at first, but mm-hmm. I also felt like it was necessary. Yeah. Um, um, I think, you know, installation is, uh, a really helpful way to kind of build this space mm-hmm. that, in, you know, initially it feels very familiar to yeah. people of different backgrounds. Um, and that was really important because I, I wanted people to kind of feel, a, I didn't necessarily want to tell people how to feel, but yeah. it's like, I, I knew by building this space, there would be a familiarity, mm-hmm. you know, and, a, and a nostalgia shared by people yeah. whose backgrounds were very different from my own. Mm-hmm. And so they would experience that first before coming across these other details mm-hmm. of, uh, that, that, that we're telling a story that of a, of a much, um, of, of a complicated, you know, uh, situation past, yeah you know? yeah thank you complicated <laughs> situation and so um I don't know that that was really important to me yeah. to to kind of maybe build a bridge first yeah. I and guess how before did, yeah how did people respond to that it was very supportive okay. I was really I was really moved and touched by the responses because I think um you know right away people it was interactive this is a pre-COVID times, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people really had fun kind of engaging with the space. So I encouraged people to, you know, touch things in the space. Like they could spray the perfumes on the counter, which, you know, smell is like this, I think, the like instant time, time travel. Yeah. And so, um, and, um, you know, they could play the cassette tapes, they could play the records, they could leaf through, there was like some books in the space and, um, and so I think interacting with the space and especially a bedroom space mm. that even though it's obviously like not a real bedroom, yeah. there's something immediately intimate about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, even people feel like, oh, should I be in here? Should I be yeah. looking through these things? And I think that um, that experience um, is, 
it's it it makes people um there there's an intimacy there's an instant yeah. intimacy that that feels like you that that really builds empathy yeah uh for even what might be you know a fictional space a fictional yeah you know, not a fictional person but um and so and what was really wonderful because at the time uh at that that space in that center um there weren't a lot of people of Solana background right. that attended more came especially as word got around about the show um but uh there were you know there were people of different certainly like immigrant uh you know communities that that came different ethnic backgrounds but it was really wonderful the different kinds of resonance you yeah. know, that people felt and that they shared with me yeah you know because i thought like who's going to connect with this mm-hmm. i don't there aren't like tons of arabs that come like to to this place um but i was really surprised at um you know i think mostly it was people of either immigrants themselves or children of immigrants mm-hmm. that connected with a lot of the issues that were presented in the space and so you know it it just opened my eyes up to like how how many shared experiences we have um, across cultures yeah that's really nice okay and installation is something you've carried through in your um work and your exhibitions right like you've kept going along that theme yeah it's been really fun I really enjoy it and um I've gradually you know, kind of broadened out and mm-hmm. the the latest one that I did, which is it's still at the Arab American Museum in Dearborn. Um, I set that up right as COVID was sort of happening and right. spreading in the U.S. And um, so the show, the museum has not been able to reopen. It's right. never been open to the public, but all the work oh, is still there. Okay. Um, but with that installation, I I knew that I didn't want it to be autobiographical, even okay. though it was like definitely there's influences in there still. Yeah. Um, and there's some similarities because it's still like set in the 90s. Um, and I'm still drawing partially from my own experiences, but I decided to base it on a pair of fictional sisters. I wanted okay. to tell some different stories that, you know, maybe occurred in my own community or could have or, you know, felt very familiar. And so um, I decided to uh, collaborate. I asked a, a writer friend, Venda Jajad, who um, wrote the text for two diaries that are in the bedroom space. Um, So it's based on these two also Yemeni American uh, girl sisters. And um, they're, you know, (laughs) people would have been encouraged to come into the space and like lead through the diaries and read about their lives. Um, But yeah, I really like installation as a tool. Uh Um, you know, for those reasons I mentioned earlier, I feel like it really kind of bridges this gap and not just for outsiders, but people within the community too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I, when I see images of your work, it always looks like, because the bedroom space seems like, and it always seems quite feminine. It feels like inviting it. Like if I like from images, cause obviously I haven't seen it in person, but it always seems like it's a nice space to be in and to, appreciate art and also the fact that it's not on a white wall and you know yeah it's 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 fun and um you know and I definitely I think have a fascination with uh bedrooms and teenage girl bedrooms I think that like I know I'm generalizing here but I think you know that it's it's you know we we make these spaces we make these 
um, kind of sanctuaries, you yeah. know, it's a very special place. I think like, you know, and I'm sure not just girls, but like, that's yeah. <laughs> what I, you know, I'm drawing from my experience and I just, you know, that's been my experience with other girls. It's like, it was always so interesting to even, you know, when I was a teenager to go for the first time into a friend's bedroom, you know, a cousin's bedroom and like, how does she have her room? Like mm. what kind of, you know, what kind of, uh, what does she have on her dresser? What kind of perfumes yeah. does she have? What, you know, what kind of lips, lip gloss is that? And like, you know, how has she arranged her things? And it's just, I think, you know, we all like really being fascinated yeah. uh, with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, um, what have you been up to during this lockdown period of madness? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, in the beginning, like many people, uh, my husband and I uh, were reorganizing our apartment. We're looking around like, okay, well, what can we fix? And like, what can we yeah. um, just improve upon? And, you know, I also for a few weeks tried baking. Okay. That that was fun, but that, that didn't last. Right. <laughs> um you know, um, I, I started volunteering, which I still like to do now, uh, with this mutual aid group, um, which has been around forever. They didn't just pop up during COVID, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really lovely how I think, you know, there's been so much more of that during this time mm-hmm. and people getting to know their neighbors, like in a city like LA and I'm, I feel like in London as well, it's like, we're not always so close to our neighbors. We don't always know who lives in the building with us. Mm -hmm. And, um, I saw that happening more and more people kind of, um, engaging with their immediate communities more. Um, and, um, you know, uh, what else? Um, well, I'm an amateur drummer. I have been uh, for a few years or for years off and on, like really serious gaps of time in between playing. But um, these other um, Yemeni women who I've you know, been in touch with yeah. or uh, like met via Instagram reached out about maybe forming a musical group. Yeah. And <laughs> we're all in different cities. Right. Uh, one is in Portland, one is in Berkeley, and the other is in uh, Phoenix or outside of Phoenix. And so um, it's, uh, it's been interesting. We're still kind of figuring out how to maybe make music together. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm really excited about it. It's been really lovely. Like, they're all amazing. Um, we're still getting to know each other. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing group of, right. of, of women. And um yeah, we'll see. It's kind of slow goings because yeah. again, like a, we're not in the same mm. city in COVID. Um, but, um, but that's, that's really lovely thing that, that, yeah. that started. So stay tuned where to come with that eventually someday. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, art wise, I can't say that I, I don't feel like I've been very highly productive. It's been such a weird time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely slowed down which I think was necessary you right. know when I look at my schedule before it was like how what this schedule was insane like how did we do all these things mm. how did we fit so much into yeah. our days before mm. um it feels kind of manic like I don't know about you but I just a few social engagements or even calls sometimes a day max me out <laughs> yeah <laughs> these days I think it's a digital overload that's what I struggle yeah. with 
okay. Um, do you have any shows coming up or any exhibitions? I do. I'm currently working on another installation that is going to open or be revealed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, that's going to look on February 15th. Okay. Uh, and this is at the University of Michigan at the Institute uh, of Humanities okay. in Ann Arbor. Um, I normally I would be there. Right. Yeah. But we're working remotely, which, okay. yeah, is very interesting. This is the first time I'm coordinating with others to build an installation for me. So that should be interesting. Um, and I won't explain it all. I'll leave it to when it because I'm still kind of working it out. OK, what this is but yeah. it is another bedroom. Installation. Um, but this time going to be something that is a little bit more fun maybe I really needed to work on something fun I feel like we need something fun Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Um, and I'm I'm kind of it's it's inspired by like the bedroom um as a as a place uh, to dance you know like oh okay I've been having I've (laughs) been having dance parties in my bedroom like every day by myself Excellent. Me too. I mean, it's been, I mean, this is something that, you know, again, like as a kid, as a teenager, my sisters and I would do all the time. And then I think now definitely thinking about this time when we're all sheltering in place. Mm. uh, I mean, I, I dance at home all the time by myself. Yeah. And (laughs) it's, it's such a huge release, like, um, and so necessary. And so I think this time, uh, made me think about that again, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and is, is inspiring, uh yeah this next amazing so yeah stay tuned yeah and, and what what are your hopes for the future with your work and everything oh with my work gosh I don't I don't know about my <laughs> my work I mean I hope to just be able to keep making it I'm so grateful I feel so lucky to have opportunities to make my work mm-hmm. to share my work to you know just be able to connect with people and continue to connect and to learn and to grow Mm -hmm. um so that's something that I I hope that I maintain is to always like challenge myself and be challenged um uh certainly and then um but thinking about the future (laughs) especially it's it's really hard to like not talk about like what's going on in terms of like um, hopes for the future because it's, there's so much happening right now, but I'm feeling very cautiously optimistic uh, for the future uh, of the U.S. Right. Um, and the world. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's very common and popular to talk about how dreadful this past year has been, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rightfully so. There's so much that's been devastating, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, but as somebody who was born and raised here, um, but, you know, as a child of immigrants, so having that perspective, like, honestly, I, there's a kind of hope about the future of this country that I have not felt before. Oh, wow. Okay. And I really wasn't sure I would feel in my lifetime. Mm. Um, and that's because of the conversations that are happening and at the scale at which they're happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a clarity that's happening. There's no turning back from the time that we're in, you know, and I'm thinking specifically about things like systemic racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, really hope that we, you know, learn like from what's happening now that, you know, we don't just try to move past it, you know, Mm -hmm. like we just experience this insane, you know, uh, thing the other day with, 
those right wing groups storming the Capitol. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hope that we don't just try to move on and forget this and put it behind us, you know, and just like regain some normalcy. Like, yeah, we do need a certain normalcy for sure, but it would be a huge mistake to not really, you know, understand why that happened and the way it happened and, you know, the way it was responded to. We have a, just such a huge opportunity to, to grow and change. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) It's so nice to hear someone speak positive about what's happened. And I mean, really, it's, it's, it, yeah, it, there, there is, there is potential for real change. And and I think if things didn't get to this extreme level, Mm -hmm. it would have just taken much longer. We could easily continued in a state of kind of denial about what this country is and like the, what the foundation that it's been built on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. It is really nice to hear because you're right. You are right. Actually, you know, all the change that has happened, even in the art world after what happened in the US and it then had a ripple effect here and other places and institutions are really rethinking their structure which is a positive thing which you're right probably may not have happened if it wasn't for the car crash in the last 12 months so yeah absolutely sorry I have this terrible habit of talking over when I get excited (laughs) but no it's true I think not at the scale you know yeah um and not it was like just happened you know, we're all kind of like, I think, at home, and like, maybe there was this other, like, kind of pressure cooker building in that respect. And, and so, um, yeah, it's like, there's so many conversations about equity, mm-hmm. you know, that have spilled into many different industries and, and areas of life. And that's really wonderful, because they're long overdue, so mm-hmm. many of them. And I think it just would have taken maybe a much longer time to get to where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that positive note, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It's been so lovely to hear about your work and what you've been doing. And I really hope that your installation, you'll be able to go at some point and your um, other exhibitions of power opens and people can see it. Um, me too. Me too. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for having me. And, and yeah, it was really nice to end on a positive note. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to link all the links to Yasmin's Instagram and website and project. So yeah, thank you so much.